welcome back to another episode of the Sunday Puncher Podcast. My name is Angelo. I am the host. I got my boy here with me, the one and only Lex. Say hello. What's good? What's good? Southern Coalition, what up? <laughs> uh, Lex, his <laughs> continuing one-sided conversation that he has with the listener uh, someday, and I doubt this day will ever come, but someday maybe you'll get what you hope for. Uh, we are, what, a week and a half away from Jake Paul's return, and what we got in store for you guys tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, is uh, wall-to-wall coverage of Jake Paul. No, I'm kidding, guys. But no joke, this dude, Lex, sent me a message before we started and was like, what can you tell me about Logan Paul and WWE? And I was like, you need to get a life. <laughs> All right. Now, usually we try to keep this podcast light. We don't like to delve into sort of the 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 grave parts of boxing. But this weekend, we were left with no choice. Gabe Flores returned to the ring. He was the undercard, but I think this is the primary story coming out of the fight. Okay. Um, Gabe Flores makes his return after a majority decision win, which was his first fight after a victory over Lu- or um, his first career loss to Luis Alberto Lopez in what was a, a, a totally brutal fight that probably should have been stopped at some point. The Montoya fight, which was the one before this last one, um, it was controversial. You would not be remiss to say, well, I thought Gabe lost that fight. Gabe Flores is 22 years old and um, <clears throat> last or well on Saturday night dropped quick, dropped again midway through the fight, winds up losing just about every round in an uncomfortable to watch beat down. It really sucks to say this about a 22 year old, but this is just not it for this guy. Um, what, what was your reaction watching this? Um, brutal loss took a lot of damage. Um, after the later knockdown in the fifth round or sixth round or whenever it happened, I was just thinking like he probably needs a new trainer and probably needs a year or two off if he wants to stay serious about boxing. Because to to keep taking these type of beatings against guys who just aren't of that level you're you know you're you're gonna end up with like brain damage and nobody wants to see that i question the matchmaking here um top rank is typically very good with their matchmaking they know their guys and where they're at um the fact that he was put in the ring with the guy who was undefeated and and, and pretty decent that is irresponsible on top rank's part I I hope that they don't do something like this again. I also hope that this wasn't intentional, that they were trying to get this dude uh, beat up. But I mean, they it, it looked. I mean, they 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 don't. It's hard to say that it didn't look like it. Now I'm not saying it was, but it, but you could definitely make that case. But like, I I disagree with you. You said that it, he probably needs a new trainer. Did you not? I did. That that what is that going to fix? Because here's the thing, a lot of guys, you can see that there is something fixable. What I saw from Gabe Flores was, and in fact, 
what I saw was somebody who's actually regressed tremendously. Now, you could say, well, the regression was in large part due to the fact that the, the level of opposition he's facing has increased. But like, Gabe Flores didn't have anything to bail him out. He's not a big puncher. He, like, un- he had quite a few stoppages in his first year or two as a pro, and then it dried up. No power, seven stoppages in his 21 victories. Um, and what we saw was that, like, I don't know, if, did you, like... This, the knockdowns didn't look good. Completely squared up. Um, in on some cases, his balance was terrible. The way he would contort his body to essentially make sure that Cabrera couldn't miss him when he threw a straight left hand, like that was all very, very troubling to see. And it looked like a guy who, I mean was streaming on YouTube eight months ago and trained hard for four or five months before they got into a boxing ring against somebody who knew what they were doing. And it's like, I mean, it looks like you, you physically move like a boxer, which Gabe does, but at the same time, none of the pieces to connect it are there. I mean, you can kind of say like, you know, you could teach somebody to say a bunch of words in a language, but if you watch them talk without any grammar, without having any like, you know, ways to connect those words you can just totally tell oh he doesn't know how to talk well that's what Gabe Flores looked like to me in the ring and it was really sad to see because he's 22 it's really clear that they should have taken a huge step back I mean after the Lopez fight it should have been a big step back um and yet we got this guy out here just getting beat on and then the dad said something along the lines of uh, I left him out there to teach him a lesson like what fucking lesson are you trying to teach him <laughs> That's why he needs a new trainer, man. Like, are you kidding me? He needs a new father. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like, all right, you know, you know, the old story of like, ah, you know, my dad caught me smoking cigarettes. You know, he, t- he, t- or he caught me smoking a, a cig. So he made me just smoke the whole pack all in one sitting. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's like that tough love parenting. Like, I get it. That's kind of dumb, but you make a point there. But it's like, no, no, he's already lost. Uh, you're exacerbating the things that we saw in the loss. And, oh, yeah, there's a very, very real um, consequence to being taught a lesson in a boxing ring. It's called, like, permanent damage that you don't get to uh, heal from. Or, like you develop degenerative diseases or whatever, or, or injuries that wind up taking their hold on you much, much later, like something similar to what Muhammad Ali had, like a Parkinson's or CTE, which has led many athletes to do pretty horrific things in their lives, both to others and to themselves. So I, I don't understand. And like, I don't know. It, it was just terrible to see this. I mean, I, I don't disagree at all. I just, I kind of felt bad for the kid. Like when you're in a fight like that, someone should pull you out. He doesn't have like the power to like have this come from behind stoppage win. And the guy had full confidence. He wasn't slowing down or anything. It was just a one-sided dangerous fight. And to get, real quick, to get back to your point about top rank matchmaking being so good, I'm always very uh, pessimistic about top rank and their motives. So if you believe they knew what they were doing with this matchup, I believe that they either they had some ill 
will towards Flores. I don't know if they want him off their, they're out of their stable off TV from now on or something. Maybe it's a message to Jay Prince, who knows? But if you believe that top rank had their hand in matchmaking, I believe that they had ill, to, Ill will towards Flores. I mean, it's hard to argue that that you can't really argue that that didn't exist. I mean, I, I would lean towards that. Probably it probably didn't, but like it is within the realm of possibility here. I, you can't just, you just can't count that out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I really hope that this is the last we see of Gabe Flores. I saw a lot of like interesting, uh, I guess you could say like, um, I saw a lot of interesting takes on Twitter wide ranging on this fight. And one of the ones that I saw was that Gabe turned pro too early. He turned pro when he was like 17 years old. And that, that was an issue. That's why, you know, he's essentially in the situation that he's in and that he was too young to like be turning pro. And like, in a sense, I, I agree with or I disagree with that, but I also like it's hard to argue against it because the NBA doesn't let guys 18 year olds turn pro. And while the NBA is like not the same as boxing, um, if you really think about it, like how many 18 year olds have actually been effective in the league? LeBron? Like, like, like five all time? Like, I mean, as 18 year olds too. But like you could say before 22 is like LeBron, Kobe, KG. Me and Mike Kobe, it took like, a, like two or three years. I mean, you got, you got Melo was instant impact. Oh, um, Dwight was instant impact. LeBron was instant impact. Um, KG, in my opinion, took like two or three years. T-Mac took two or three years. But like then you have Sebastian Telfair. Who was just not it <laughs> but also you, you look at the nfl guys i mean you got to put in years in college and i think you think that yeah they don't let guys go you got to do like three years of college yeah and for a good reason i think it's only two but it's for a good reason like you're dealing with grown men and, and that and, and football is far more comparable to boxing given how physical like that sport is so, I mean, like, I, I see the argument. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I see the argument for it. And, like, if, if a rule got passed, it's like, all right, no one can turn pro under the age of 21, I probably wouldn't have, like, a super strong, like, take to reject that. I will say I'm not a fan of the Gabe floor should have waited longer to turn pro. Because I, I just think, in like, we as boxing fans underrate matchmaking so much. Like you look at someone like Lubin, people are calling him washed at like 25. He didn't have to take the Charlo fight. And like he wanted the Charlo rematch. So he chased the WBC path, which they put Fundora in front of him. That's really tough matchmaking, in my opinion. On the flip side, you have someone like Deontay Wilder who you know, I remember when Wilder was in the Olympics, and I'm I'm six foot four, six foot five, so I I naturally gravitate towards. Oh, you're tall probably fighters. six two. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> six feet. But I I was like, yo, where is this guy Wilder? Like, he supposedly plays basketball. He's like six foot seven. He's heavyweight. He's American. Like, what's his deal? You didn't really see Wilder on TV until like he was 
twenty like seven or twenty eight, and it probably was better because they they needed with his unique style they needed to like mold him a certain way. So more than age, I just think you need to be matched properly. And it's like who knows what Gabe Flores looks like in the gym, but if he was looking chinny in the gym, lack of power, they they should have done it a different way. I I've always had this take that, and I feel like I've given it quite a few times now that maybe longtime listeners might get bored of me saying this, but like one of the issues I think we have in boxing right now is, I mean, it, it's really like sometimes when you get what you want, it creates issues that you didn't see. And so in the situation of a Gabe Flores, like Gabe is 22 and hasn't really fought anybody with like a name. And 10 years ago, Gabe would not be on TV yet. But because there's a platform, well, there's so many platforms showing boxing and there's enough space on these platforms to air like the, the um, up and down the card. You have a guy like Gabe Flores that's being put in the spotlight at a very early point in their career. And in that point of their career, in the past is when you're toiling away, you're not making good money uh, on these undercards to, to hone your craft. And it wouldn't be until like a, a Giovanni Cabrera type opponent where you're finally maybe going to crack the YouTube portion of, of the undercard, like the last fight before the cameras go live, or maybe even they toss you as the opener of, of a card. And like all these fights up to this point, we're against lower level opposition that you could use to like develop yourself. And what I think happened at some point with Gabe is that like the development stopped and you know, he's paying the price now and it doesn't help that his dad like doesn't know what he's talking about and just might be insane. And then I saw another one that was like, Oh, well the father son combo and kind of like, pointing to that being part of the issue and like i don't know that one i don't really like i don't i don't feel one way or the other about that because we have so many examples of that the father-son relationship working very very well we've got some bad ones too but i mean you think about floyd and his dad or danny garcia and angel garcia and uh not all father-son training relationships like i don't think you can paint with a broad brush there but I, I, no, I father son pairings are just hit or miss. There's so many good ones, and there's also been a ton of bad ones. It just is like, it, to me, I think it's a straight up coin flip 50 50. Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of people would have been saying Sean and Kenny Porter up until very, very recently. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I guess the, the, the main takeaway here for, for Gabe is that, like, I just don't think he has it at all. And I, I don't, I don't want to put that on him because like, I don't, you know, I don't know like his amateur background, how like touted he was as a young fighter uh, prospect. I just think he needs a lot of changes and you take some time off, man, like rest. Maybe he's fatigued from all the training being in the gym. You know, he needs to feel good about himself again. I think sometimes in sports like that could take you a long way. Um, and then once you come back, just get a new trainer and and, and get matched properly. Like they're, they're throwing this guy's in this guy in with people who could just clearly beat his ass. Like that's not that's not it. Uh yeah. 
And then, so anyway, well, you can move on from this, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely am with you. I feel bad for, for Gabe. Um, but yeah, uh, the main event was actually Joette Gonzalez versus Isaac Dogbay, which was, I mean, like not the greatest fight on paper. Um, like not a big name. I'm sure. Actually, I think this was only on ESPN plus, but I think if this was on regular ESPN, like the rating probably would have sucked. Joette Gonzalez is like an okay B side and dog Bay had a, like a really quick run as an A side before it was like revealed to us that dog Bay has a very, very clear ceiling. And, uh, you know, it just wasn't like, this wasn't a big fight by any means, but, um, I really liked the fight on paper and it did not go the way I thought it would. I thought Joette would win going away, but Isaac Dogbay uh, has pulled himself up by the bootstraps and looks like he is um, on his way back into title contention. Also, why did BoxRec change? I'm not going to complain about the like the new look of BoxRec. It's like, whatever, I'm okay with it. But some of the like the icons have changed. And now, like, where the fuck am I clicking? What, to, like, check, like, the card or check, yeah, like, the like, weights and stuff like that? Why are you making this harder? <laughs> Listen, everyone I've talked to hates the new box rec layout. We're going to have to hit up Gray, and I'm going to have to give him a piece of my mind. I don't know. I'm a fan. Sometimes I feel like sites like that, you don't have to, like, re- um, like, re- what do you, like, repaint them, redesign them. Like, if you take basketball reference, for example, I think they'll keep that layout for, like, a very long time. They've kept it for, like, the past decade. Just keep it. Like, the old layout was fine. It worked perfectly. Well, I think also the old layout was functional. Like, it, it, it looked the way it did out of necessity for the content that it's, like, displaying to you. Not necessarily because, like, that was some... uh that wasn't some strategic decision to make it look like that. I feel like that was the way it looked because it needed to look that way. Yeah. But everyone, you know, everyone learned how to use it. It it was functional. People didn't really have any problems with it. Like just stick with it. My opinion. They also changed the URLs too. Like what what the fuck were they? I didn't notice that. Um, I definitely feel like this layout is a, a bit more like, like I, I like websites that don't need a lot of clicks. Like, like for example, you want to see Isaac Dog Bay's like, like weight, Pornhub? theoretically. But pr- previously, it was like once you click on his profile, that was one click away. Now it's like two or three, and I, I, I just want less work, I guess. Um. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll figure it out, and it won't be a big deal. But <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, like Dog Bay gets the victory. I'm curious where you see this dude. Like, what is the fight that you want to see this guy in at 126? I think um, for BC Ramirez, I think put out a tweet that called him out. If I'm not mistaken, um, I could see Top Rank going that direction. Yeah, I, I feel like now there's not often times in boxing where the logical fight. The desired fight, the practical fight, and maybe a couple of other designations here. But everything points to one thing. So, like, 
you take somebody like uh, who's somebody that recently fought? I don't know. You take Canelo, for instance. If you answer based off of those parameters, you might get a different opponent for every single thing. You know, who's a logical opponent? Who's the likely opponent? Who's the money opponent? Those things all don't usually line up. And in the case here, I think this is a situation where like Robesi does seem like the, the logical pick. He seems like the good pick. Like if you if you just think about any way you slice it, it's like, actually, that's the good pick. It's like, okay, yeah, he maybe he doesn't have a title. But nobody wants to see Dogway fighting for a title at this point. Robesi has an exciting style. By the way, anyone who thinks Robesi's Twitter is like serious, please seek help. There's no <laughs> shot that this dude who's like uh, defected from Cuba less than two years ago is typing in perfect English with a better understanding and grasp of using hashtags than me. There's no way that this dude is actually doing this on Twitter by himself. Okay. Somebody's running his account. You can't even be sure that anything that's being said there is actually his opinion. So anyway, um, but this does seem like at least in terms of like entertainment, whether this is, whether this was an important, like significant fight for with title implications or not, that aside, I think that this fight is the one that we should be wanting to see. I think it's just like the perfect fight for both of these guys. And I think like um, Robesi, like this is the fight that he needs, I think, because everyone else who he's beaten has been essentially irrelevant. And this puts him in position to uh, really assert himself as like a player at 126. Even if you don't rate Dog Bay, like Dog Bay has enough of a name that you just let it slide that you don't think he's good and just include Robesi in the crew of like notable 126 pound fighters. Yeah, I think the most important thing about this matchup is you're giving Robesi a, a fighter with a name. You know, up until this point, he, he really hasn't had any like name brand opponents, like good or bad. I mean, like Abraham Nova. I saw him fight on the Errol Spence undercard, and I was never a big fan of his from that point on. He almost got stopped by a guy who had, like, a wife beater farmer's hand. (laughs) 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 This Puerto Rican kid, the kid was tough. He was super tough, and he almost stopped Abraham Nova. So I was like, all right, like, whatever his, like, hairstyle or, like, aesthetic appeal that he has or, like, quickness and stuff, like, I don't, I'm not a fan. So what is the so actual get, term for wife beater? I, I, tank top, maybe? I mean, but like tank top is, is, is just not, like that's just not enough. It's not a tank top. Like I think, I honestly, they probably sell them in Marshalls as wife beaters or white beaters or something. Check that, Google that. White beater. <laughs> it's just like one problematic thing to another. Um, <laughs> okay, like just like go, just go to marshalls.com and type in wife beater. Just not Google Marshalls or, or Macy's wife beater. All right, I'm going to do this. <laughs> it's going to show me a picture of insert your athlete here. <laughs> All right, so I typed in wife beater at marshalls.com and it says no results for wife beater, but it says you might like these even better. And it's a mug with a, with a, uh, it's a black mug with a ghost thing on it that's a spooky on the mug and then there's a like a 
I don't know what this is, but it's like a watermelon that says sweet. And then it's a little dress for a little girl, presumably. And then a pink backpack with rainbow sequins with the letter C on it. I don't know if... Uh, yeah, that's like not wife beater. I typed wife beater true name and a wrestler came up. <laughs> <laughs> wife beater true. Imagine that's your wrestling gimmick is like, yeah, I'm the wife beater. Like, dude, that is... You, you want to get everyone watching wrestling again? Have a wife beater gimmick in 2022. I think that'll put asses in the seats. If only if wrestling went back to just like the raw era of like pure stupidity, the ratings would definitely be boosted. Uh, anyway, I think Rabisi needs a name. I think Dog Bay is that. Um, and yeah, not much more to say than that. In the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> uh, made official this past week was Shakur Stevenson and Robson Consasau. Um, This will be taking place at the Prudential Center. The one thing I didn't realize when I initially, when I was initially going through this is that this is going to be on a Friday night. Whoa, really? That's weird. Now, it makes sense. Like, you know. This, they're on ESPN. They want it on ESPN. And ESPN was like, listen, buddy, this is mid-September. If you think for a second that we're going to show this instead of college football, you are dead wrong. You're nuts. Especially start of the season, college football. Nah, son, not going to happen. Uh, so rather than go on ESPN Plus, they're going to go on Friday night at the Prudential Center. Uh, that's somewhat local to you. Do you think you'll be making the trip out to see your boy Shakur? Highly unlikely. If the Gonzalez Dog Bay undercard is any indication of what you could expect for this one, that may be the wise choice because that undercard was rough. But well, I think, like, you know. I think anyone who listens to this knows I'm not the biggest top-ranked fan, but I think they're doing a decent job with this particular card. So Shakur gets, like, whether people know it or not, Shakur is a bit of a celebrity in the Jersey area and the hip-hop community. So I think putting him in, in New Orleans community, huh? is, is going to, I think he's going to get a good little turnout. And they put out a lot of the cool little, like, prospects they have. I think Keyshawn Davis is on the undercard. I think, um, what's the kid from Brooklyn? I, ah, geez, I can't remember his name. I don't know, but if he's from Brooklyn, he can't fight. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Brooklyn fighters are cursed, but that's a, a whole different podcast. Um, Bruce Carrington, Brooklyn I think fighters. is his name. Uh, well, do so we play Bruce Mike Carrington is on the undercard. I think it's going to be like, it, I think if you like boxing and live in the tri-state area, it's like a perfect card to pull up to, see some nice up-and-coming talent. I mean, I have nothing really negative to say about it. Uh, Keyshawn. I, I, I also numerous going, fights, by the way. We'll say it again. I said Keyshawn has pulled out of numerous fights already at this early stage of his career. <laughs> Do not base your ticket purchase on one Keyshawn Davis appearing. Nah, that's. I mean, I mean, were, was he like sick or were these out of his control? Quite possibly, but still, who, who knows? It's like whatever about Keyshawn. We're, we're, this we're is definitely not gonna. Well, why let facts or anything get in the way here? But uh, Keyshawn has had numerous fights fall through very at this very early point of his career. So anyway, um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's disappointing to see Shakur fighting fighting on a Friday night because I feel like this really messes with his momentum. And like for anyone, it's like, yeah, but it's on ESPN. So it's like, bro, do you think ESPN is going to promote this? Nah, they will be debating uh, Alabama football. And that will be like week two or three of the NFL. We'll be talking about, you know, the latest fantasy football, the latest uh, sexual assault case from the Washington Dan Snyder uh, whole universe. There's I, I, I just like a lot of things that will be taken. And then like, I guess NBA actually mid September. Yeah. Training camp will have started or no. Yeah. Training camp and preseason will be starting for NBA. Like it is going to be hard for them to get any sort of attention from ESPN for this card. I mean, let's, let's, let's put it on wax. Like, so we've Shakur's last, what, like three or four fights have headline, right? Mm -hmm. How big of a difference do you foresee this fight being? Cause I'm thinking like, it's like, I think the gate will do good, but it's first of all, it's sensational. Like no one knows yeah. him. The, the matchup really has no sizzle because he's a box. He's like a technical guy also. So even if you're like, like Keyshawn Davis is like, Shakur is going to stop him at six. Like that's bogus. I think it's another Shakur decision. So even if you're channel surfing, kind of like boxing, drop in on it, you're going to see two guys like jabbing to death. And it's just like, eh, like that's not it really. Like Shakur versus Valdez had a bit of pop. I, I, I'd imagine it does like, Give or take the same as whatever the uh, the Heron fight did. Probably. I, I mean, I think it's probably do a mill. Um, the Val Valdez was one of ESPN's like biggest draws outside of Crawford and Lomachenko. So like, he definitely deserves some of the credit for the the success of the fight with Shakur. I mean, I guess we say success. It wasn't like it, it didn't break any records or anything, but it was pretty good. For, it was way above average for them. And so Constantine is a hard one because like you said, no one knows who he is. I don't even know if his last fight was even on ESPN, by the way. And like, don't sit here and tell me his gold medal means anything because it doesn't. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then just on a Friday night, it's I feel like they're taking the, the date because they, they, they need the date, but like ESPN is not going to do them any favors here. And it's, I mean, it sucks because like if ESPN is going to, now focus on any anyone in the top ranked stable it should be Shakur he's gonna be around for a long time at a minimum get this dude to be your most consistent ratings draw and this is gonna require like okay you idiots usually don't give us any sort of respect you idiots at least just just, just throw us a little bone you know just, let us, just wet our beak a little bit you know let us wet our beak a little bit on the Shakur fights, but uh, I don't know. I don't think we're, that's what we're going to see. Well, okay. So I saw a picture of Shakur at the press conference with Keyshawn on his left, Bruce Carrington on I his right. Like he said on his lap. I was like, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> on his left. It's hilarious. And you know, it, it, it brought up a point that I think is going to be controversial, but I can say it. So I'm going to say it. Top rank has been in the industry for like a hundred years, but we haven't seen them really bring a, a black fighter to stardom in a very long time. You got to go back to like 
the 70s or 80s or something like that. And I'm just very curious. They're young, stable of like up and coming guys. They're all black dudes, African-Americans, however you want to say it. Jared Anderson, Shakur, Carrington, Keyshawn. Like, are they going to be able to do it with this crew? And, you know, you like Shakur has all the makings to, to I don't want to say be like a hyper superstar, but he has all the makings to be like one of the top guys of like, okay, you should watch him because he's tremendous boxer, has the proper look, um, has the right sound, has support from celebrities. I, but I, like, I really, I have no idea if top rank will be able to do it. Yeah, I, I, I wonder that too. Or do, do they just become Crawford? And it's like, I mean, you're big, you got big in boxing, but never really broke through. That Crawford is the biggest that they've done. And like, the, the rule for Crawford is the fact that Errol was doing his thing. Wilder well, was doing his. Yeah, that's, the, that's, I, I, I imagine that like, if Crawford came a little earlier and he wasn't constantly being compared to a couple of the PBC Walter Waits amongst their like many Walter Waits, um, we'd maybe look at it different, but like as Errol is and, and Keith Thurman were ascending at the same time, it kind of like, it, it, you, when you put them side by side together, it kind of like, you know, maybe what they did with Crawford was pretty good, but it just doesn't look good when you compare it to Errol and maybe Errol's like kind of an anomaly here rather than what is like, should be the expectation. I mean, I wouldn't say that Errol's the anomaly. Ultimately, Keith, like you could believe what you want about Bud and his boxing abilities and the fact that he jumped from weight class to weight class. He hasn't had one fight that was like the it fight. Like Keith gave us Sean Porter, which was like fight of the year quality. Danny Garcia, which was like record-breaking um, TV ratings, if I remember correctly. Arrow had the Sean Porter. Arrow had the Danny Garcia, Mikey Garcia. Like he's, they've had like big banger fights. Bud is still, Bud has not had one big banger fight. You go into every Bud fight, essentially like, all right, like, we pretty much know what's going to happen. It's like, let's just watch and see if it happens. Those other guys, they've, they've been, <laughs> they've been in the big one. Well, I also think you- that like something that's not discussed enough is that I think like for most of us, and I, and I really do mean like ev- most, like, I mean, majority of boxing fans generally when a fight is like, you hear about a fight, let's just make one up. For example, if I say, yeah, um, it's looking likely that we're going to get uh, Gary Russell versus Isaac Dogbay. I think most of you already know who's winning that fight. Now, no matter who you think is going to win, you pretty quickly have come to the conclusion of how it's going to be. And like, I think most of you are like, yeah, Gary, assuming he's healthy, is will, will beat Isaac Dogbay. And that's like, I mean, I agree with that. I think that's pretty safe, you know. But one of the things that is not talked about in boxing is the power of promotion. And it is through promotion that most of us get enjoyment from the sport because it is promotion that leads you to think that, oh, maybe this maybe this will go a different way. Maybe, like, you want a guy to win now. And that's all through, through promotion. And so 
because a guy like Errol Spence, you could say in the UK, someone like Anthony Joshua, because their fights have had a certain level of promotion, it's also brought certain feelings that you only get when a lot of promotion is done for an event. And you could say like, okay, well, promotion is kind of like a misleading because like you already know how this fight was going to play out. But yeah, uh, that's probably true. But promotion is at the essence of everything. And really like you can tease this out into other forms. It's like, yeah, promotion. I mean, you already knew Stranger Things season four was going to be good. But then the promotion of it got you even more excited for it. Or on the flip side, you're like, yo, this Minions movie is going to be absolutely trash. And then you're like, yeah, but there's people in suits watching the movie. Let me go check out, check this out. You know, that's all promotion. Whether you, and, and usually like most of the time, your initial thought was probably right. At least I know for me, it's like, why did I buy into this? Yes. I mean, it's, it's basic, it's basic selling. Like any, any, company you work at like there are salespeople who have to sell the product and it, that helps and it, the same goes in boxing you, you sell properly it'll amplify the uh size of the event and there you go you have a big fight anyway the point i was trying to make was that you guys should go watch minions <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, the point i want to make is top rank need to hurry up because tank is cooking and boots is Right. No one talks about Boots, but I promise you this. The second Boots decides, Boots and Duncan decides to get their shit together and go with a big promoter, hopefully for me, PBC, it's only going to take him two fights, I promise. I mean, I think if, like, they just fully committed to PBC, he'd get the Thurman fight probably within six to nine months. No, I don't think he gets the Thurman fight. Oh, yeah, he gets a Thurman fight. I mean, I don't think Thurman is, like, suicide mission type. (laughs) (laughs) Look, Thurman may not be up for a suicide mission, but he is up for a payday. As am I, by the way. I I saw somebody say, like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't fight Terrence Crawford for any amount of money in the world. And I was like, dude, what are you smoking? I'll literally fight Terrence Crawford for, like, an Outback Steakhouse gift card. <laughs> like, what's the worst that could happen to me? I'm not. I'm not going to be Gay Flores there, being able to take punches for ten rounds. I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm cool. Like, I know that I'm not going to suffer that kind of damage. I'll just probably get slapped, and that's okay. Quick stoppage, or I'll quit. So, since we're talking about Boots and Thurman, yeah, I have a theory. Some may call it conspiracy. I don't about most of what you say is a conspiracy, but go on (laughs) about this weekend's PBC card. All right. This weekend we got Danny Garcia fighting Jose Benavidez, Adam Konatke versus Ali Aaron Demarizin and Gary Antoine Russell versus Rancis Barthelemy. What is your conspiracy? The conspiracy is this. Everyone's been complaining about how dry boxing has been recently. Yes. You've, you know, laid down some groundwork about the, uh, how hard it's been to come across dates. Well, actually, you, talking about venues specifically, Mm -hmm. 
And I've heard Jake Donovan talking about how hard it is to get dates for, with, under the PBC umbrella right now because there's a lot of guys who want to fight in the fall. Literally so, one of my podcasts and then reparented my take. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I think that PBC wants to make Wilder Kalnacki. And I think if Wilder, I'm sorry, if Kalnacki gets through Demarizian or however you say his name, that will slowly get the whole schedule layout pretty quickly. And the reason why I think PBC wants Wilder Kalnacki, one, you could throw it in Brooklyn where Wilder is super successful. Two, Kalnacki has a boatload of Polish fans that always come out to support him. Three, it's the perfect easy fight for Wilder to come back, test it, you know, see what he has left. And then, you know, you, you make the, the next bigger fight, whether it's Andy Ruiz or Usyk or whoever. So that's my theory. Let me just say this. You are smoking crack. <laughs> There's no shot. It's also funny when you say PBC, like it's just like like actual ominous figure that's like has well, whatever. This, the, the, the decision make. The, the, the brain trust of PBC. Okay, first of all, why that is absolutely unequivocally not what they want to do in my opinion i i've been criticized for trying for uh sometimes not letting people know what like that what i say is my opinion in my opinion you're wrong and i'll tell you why why would pbc shoot so low Deontay Wilder versus Adam Konaki does the same business as Deontay Wilder versus me. You can say, ah, oh, well, Konaki's like got the Polish crowd, so the Polish crowd is going to be in there. Okay, sub Konaki out for me. You know who's going to buy up those tickets that maybe the Polish people would have bought? Deontay Wilder fans. For sure, but what'll, what'll look better on television? Uh, Deontay sleeping me, one punch. I will fly. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> when you have all these crazy Polish people wearing like red uh, scarves and singing these stupid like soccer songs, that'll look lit on TV. But also, the whole thing is this: like we all want Deontay to come back. No one doesn't want him to come back at this point. But the reality Punaki, is, through- he looks more like an average person than I do. Yeah, but it's not even about that. It's like we're here to see what Wilder has left. He took two really tough fights with Fury. And like, I, like people have been like, you know, uh, Frank Warren was like, he's fighting Hellenius in October. I knew that was nonsense just because like, if, if that was happening, we'd already know about it. But like Hellenius is like, you don't need to put Wilder in with someone who could test his chin. Like that's not how you, I, I don't think that's how you bring a guy back who's been through hard fights. You bring him back with a extremely soft touch you let him just shake off the cobwebs, get back in the ring, go through a camp with his trainer, see how he feels, check if his confidence is still there. And after that, you do the guy who could check his chin or who's like a little more dynamic. And I think Kaunaki is the perfect guy. I, I don't agree with it. I think that Konaki is like just a guy. I don't think he's he was- just a guy. Listen, Kaunaki sucks, okay? <laughs> I don't want anyone to think that also, oh, yeah, you just reminded me of my actual point that I initially thought of, which is that it's like, wait a second. I mean, like, even if you're right about everything, like, 
I don't think Konaki's winning on Saturday. I, I, he's going to win a decision. No. Tell me he's going to win a decision. Demarizian can't punch. And Kaunaki, like, I think Kaunaki understands that, like, this is the end for him. If he loses, it's like a rap. He's buns. I mean, he's not a rap because PBC always brings guys back. But, like, big fights are out of the question. And I, I just, I don't, I'm not, like, I don't like Demarizian that much. He beat Gerald Washington, but Gerald Washington always has stamina issues, I think, from his football background. Um, Kaunaki, you know, say what you want about him. His, his stamina usually is pretty decent. And I think this fight will probably be a 10-rounder. So I'll, I'll go with the decision. Um, wait, oh. Why don't we do, okay, so I don't want to, like, go too wild or crazy. Why don't we do the whole card? Because this is, like, for anyone who doesn't know, this is a really deep card. I'm pretty sure I'm going this weekend to see this fight. Um, so this fight features Joey, no, uh, Vito Melnicki, Atif Olberton, Julius Williams, Sergey Dervinchenko, <laughs> all on the untelevised undercard. And there might even be one or two people that I'm forgetting. Uh, I still think you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> but, like, okay. <clears throat> Are we forgetting that Demirezin technically lost to F.A. Ajogba, but I don't know that that fight was, uh, like, I feel like he showed at a minimum this dude could take a punch, and he could make things really difficult for, for fighters. I think Adam Konaki is not a high IQ fighter. He's a, a guy who just wants to throw punches, and I think that Demirezin's going to have a bit of an answer for Konaki if the if the game plan is let me just walk forward and let my hands go but Dem, to me Demo reason he doesn't really do anything well like like he's not a, to me he's not a big power puncher I mean he's got he's got a, a 70% KO ratio which is like respectable but like it's against lower quality guys I would be again I'm sticking with my pick I think Kaunaki will be in shape you know Hellenius for all his like drawbacks he's still a pretty decent puncher i mean i don't he's think an okay puncher huh? he's, he's an okay puncher but like do you remember how konaki looked when when helenius was hitting him that looked like a guy that didn't have a lot of punch resistance oh, so you think konaki is chinny i don't think he's chinny i no, we, we're not going to rehash that conversation uh <laughs> i don't think he is chinny but I do think that he's been in enough fights and might be a bit shopworn where it may not take much for Demerizin to not hurt him, but assert himself in the fight. Now, maybe he does hurt him, but like asserting himself, meaning like, okay, he's gotten Konaki's respect in a way that maybe three years ago, he wouldn't have been able to get that respect. I don't see. I don't think Demarizian can punch like that. Like, I could be wrong, but I, I don't look at him as a like, like a oh shit puncher. Like, I mean, like, like let's look at his boxer, right? Ke Kevin Johnson, who's 35, 18 and one decision. Gerald Washington, TKO. Just I watched that fight. The guy just got mega tired. It wasn't like he was getting beat up. Nikola Milicic. Second round TKO. I've never heard of that guy. I think the Thunder drafted him three years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, who is this dude? Camille Sokolowski, 9 18 and 2 decision. 
Andre Mazanik or something, eight round, eight round decision. FA jog, but 10 round decision. I mean, he's like, I just don't think he's a puncher. Could be wrong, but <clears throat> that's why, that's why I'm picking Kaunaki decision, to be honest. If, it, like anyone Kaunaki faces with, with any punch power, I would pick the, the other guy. But I just, I don't believe in this guy's power at all. Uh, yeah. So, um, that, well, that's one of the fights. Gary Antoine Russell and um, Rancis Bartholomew is a fight that I love. I love this fight also. <laughs> because I like Gary Antoine has shown thus far in his career, like the dude is a savage. Like, just comes forward, all action, is looking to assert himself in fights. And uh, Rancis Bartholomew has given us his fair share of stinkers uh, over the years. And I think they're meeting each other at the perfect time where Bartholomew is not as elusive as he once was. And he's fighting a guy who is, I think even an old, like the, the prime version of, of Bartholomew would still get tracked down by um, Gary Antoine. But now he's a, a little bit older. I think we are going to see a very, very uh, interesting fight. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be a nice, like, showcase fight for Antoine. Um, it'll also be, like, it's weird, because, like, I don't think Barthelemy is, like, a name, but at the same time, like, people are very aware of him. So to have, like, like theoretically a stoppage or a one-sided beatdown on your resume, if it turns out that way, which I think it will, um, it'll be nice for his, his resume and just his experience overall. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, Gary Antoine is one of the more exciting prospects in the sport. So like, it is really, really, uh, uh, it's pretty clutch to put this as the opener. The main event is probably going to be the least competitive fight on the card. Don't say, I, I don't think people should, I, I could be wrong, but like, I feel like this fight has a lot of question marks around it. It's just like, who the hell knows how this fight's going to turn out? Um, <laughs> I don't know about this. Like Benavides looked horrible in his last fight, in my opinion. But you know, we also don't know like what was going on in his camp. We don't know what Danny's gonna look like at fifty four. I I just Danny could end up just KOing him in like four or five rounds. But I, I'm trying to keep my expectations low in terms of like what to expect because we haven't seen Danny in a while. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I don't know what you're smoking. Did you not see Jose Benavides' last fight? I said he looked terrible. He looked, he did. He looked bad. <laughs> um, the dude looked really poor. To be honest, now that I'm thinking about it, he's lucky to have won that fight. It could have been like a draw yeah. or the other guy could have won, honestly. I'm not saying that, uh, he should have lost that fight, but like, no, nah, that I mean, I bet it was a split decision. I think it was, but I, I, like, you, you know, there's a, there's a line in the Kendrick song. I'm not saying that he didn't, but ever since that day, I've been looking at him different. That's how I feel about Jose Benavides's uh, last fight. I'm not saying well, he lost it, was, it, it was a majority draw. I, I'm not saying that he deserved to lose that fight, but I, I mean, I'm not, you know. 
yo, his last, he went from Terrence Crawford in 2018 to the majority draw to Danny Garcia. That's crazy. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, I mean, really, I guess the, the real question is like, how does Danny's power come back? Because I feel like we've seen like Danny's power been MIA for a while. And like we've heard quite a few people say, you know, Danny Garcia, biggest punch I've ever faced, or he's the strongest fighter that I've ever faced. I think Keith Thurman has said that. Um, but like we as the fan have not quite seen that in a while. Knocking out Adrian Granados, especially when Adrian Granados kept getting up, like that doesn't that doesn't bode well for a guy who was like considered a very big puncher at one point in his career. I mean Valid. I I don't disagree. <laughs> I mean, I I, have, I will say I've seen um, you know, I've been watching some of the YouTube stuff on Danny Garcia, and he, he said that uh, being at fifty four, his power is coming back because he doesn't have to cut weight, which is like something you hear from guys pretty typically, I guess, when they move up. Um, whether or not it'll manifest in the fight, who knows? I mean, if I if I had to bet, I'd probably pick Danny by stoppage. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I. I... Uh, yeah, if if he doesn't stop Jose Benavides, I think it's uh we're clear like it is a clear indication that Danny Garcia even at 154 is well actually I don't know it's because because it, the the pitfall here is to think that it's like oh well Terrence Crawford stopped Jose Benavides so clearly but it's like yeah but that was a much different version of Jose Benavides Benavides I like hasn't fought or that was like five years ago. And also, like, uh, David's, uh, I think, did, w- didn't he say that he had gotten up to, like, 200 pounds during the pandemic? He was super heavy. I mean, even, like, looking at his, like, Instagram or something, you could see that he was very heavy. Yeah, so, um, yeah, but I, I, I think Danny, if, if Danny even chooses to box him, like, Danny's, like, shown that dude can box. Like, I don't think Jose Benavidez at any level, at any point in his career, is going to, would be to Danny Garcia. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so that's the card this weekend. And then, um, yeah, I think, uh, I guess the only other thing, like the main thing from this week was like Adrian Broner's uh, press conference, uh, which was pretty hilarious where he went on a rant. The primary crux of his complaint was that the, he was um, not happy with the press conference being on Zoom, essentially. And he was like, yeah, you guys don't do, uh, you don't do Errol or Floyd Mayweather's um, press conferences on Zoom. Why am I doing it? Which I think we all know the reason there, but we, we will digress. And uh, then the following day, after he said some inflammatory remarks about Al Heyman and Steven Espinoza, which he like apologized for on Instagram afterwards, but did not apologize for the stuff he said about the press conference, which I agreed with. Uh, then the, the following day, Adrian, he said that, or he, he does the next press conference, does it from his hotel room while lying in bed. At one point did sit up. And uh, shit-talked a writer or two. Um, But the whole fiasco, I think, like, I guess my big takeaway from it was, like, I missed 
having AB active because it was pretty damn funny to see <laughs> him do all this. The second press conference I thought was funny. The se- the first one I thought was like not a good sign. Yeah, the f- no, the first one was pretty bad. Like, you know, I- I'm I'm not gonna can't front there. I mean, it's just not a good look, and I think a lot of people. He gave a lot of people fuel in both ways. Like, you know, when he's making disparaging remarks about Al Heyman or Steven Espinosa in Showtime, it's like, yeah, that's bad for one side. But then also for the other side, uh, you're just giving them ammo because I saw so many remarks. It's like, these people have given him so many opportunities and he's just like doing this. And it's like, I mean, in a sense, that is true. But at the, at the same time, it's like, yeah, but this is Adrian Broner, guys. Like, are, are we sure this dude is not joking around? Are we sure we're like using him as our, I don't know, our gauge of 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 this whole situation? I mean, the one thing I did agree with is like, you know, the, the Zoom press conferences, I hate. Like, we used to do, there there used to be the the press conference, which was typically like a physical thing. And then there was the media conference calls, which, you know, media got to ask questions a few weeks out from the fight. And um, now the media conference calls have essentially been replaced by the Zoom press conferences, which, I mean, the, the you know, press gets to ask questions, but I'm not like a big fan of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't really like it either. I just, um, I don't know, man. My thing with AB is like, I think, like, let's ignore the people who are going to hate AB anyways, right? I think the people who want to support AB are ready for a more mature, focused, dedicated version of Adrian Broner. Like, we've been doing the, the, gim- the gimmick of, like, the jokes, the disses, the, like, I'm hungrier than a, a, a homeless man in Africa. Or something. Like, we've, we've done it for a while. And we want to root for AB and we want to support AB. But when he's in like F. Al Heyman and F. even Espinosa mode, you know, it's, it's tough to like think that he's matured. Like who, who's to say we don't see the same guy like, that fought Alfredo Santiago or whatever his name was. And he, he like barely gets a decision. Like we don't want that AB. We want AB that smashes shit. And so that was like discouraging, but the the next one he cleaned it up a little bit. I think everyone just wants to see AB be the best version of AB that he can be, and not a shell of himself. Uh, I guess the last thing I, I think what you said is uh, well said. <laughs> there, you know, have you seen those things where like you you type in a little prompt and it like auto generates an image? Of course. Uh, so um, I figured there's a new one out. So I was like, let me try my hand at this. Uh, and so my first prompt was Floyd Mayweather beating minions. And I got to say, I'm like quite impressed with the image that is that it has uh, shown me. <laughs> Why you send it to me? Uh, here. <laughs> oh, wow. This is pretty good. Yeah, it, it is pretty good. Um, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this, but uh, you sell it as NFT. Sunday punch. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking of um, oh, it's like oh, okay, I see what it's doing. 
it 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 is making them larger. I'm gonna basically redesign our album art for the podcast using this. What are you gonna like type in? Uh like I don't know, like boxing podcasts, <laughs> man with extremely bloody face <laughs> in black <Yeah>. and white. <laughs> I mean, if it's like this, it will, it'll be pretty decent. You can put a, like a lot of descriptor words and it'll like fine tune it. And so, yeah, I, I have 24, uh, like attempts to, to I've definitely it. seen, uh, art from actual people so uh all right well we'll wrap it up right here if you like this podcast we do a lot more podcasts over on our patreon feed you get more podcasts the, the times range from 15 minutes to hour-long podcasts we do more evergreen content we had a f- podcast coming up i think this week on miguel Cotto, kind of a l- retrospective on his career uh we do well, me and lex will argue about other things uh, what did we talk about last week? I think I feel like we had a good one last week. Last week, we uh, it was like a business of boxing thing a little bit. I think we're talking about like fighter pay and uh, how good Andy Ruiz can talk Mexican, stuff like that. <laughs> Lex had a little misspeak <laughs> uh, last week. But yeah, all that stuff and more. And you get access to our Patreon community over at patreon.com or not a Patreon community. You do get access, but like our, our Discord community. Um. You get access to that by heading over to patreon.com slash Sunday Puncher. Uh, I think it's well worth the money, $1. But let's say you don't want to spend $1. You're like, I'm balling out of control. Um, then you can pay more. But you know, you don't have to. $1 is all you need. So to do that, patreon.com slash Sunday Puncher. Uh, if you don't, then uh, whatever. Um, any, anything else we have to say? That's it. All right. Thank you guys so much. We'll be back next week.